The word of our Lord from the Gospel of Luke. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit also rejoice in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And so Mary remained with her about three months, and then returned to her house. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would bless its reading to our hearts and to our minds, to our very selves. We pray that you would help us to have the joy that Mary and Elizabeth express to one another in this text. We pray that you would open our eyes to what you would have for us and open our ears to hear it. We pray all this in Christ the Messiah's name. Amen. Advent is a time of expectation, a time of preparation. It's a a time where we wait and a time where we, in some sense, long. As kids, we long for Christmas Day. We perhaps long to open up gifts. We long to... Um, to see the faces of uh, those opening gifts that we've picked out especially for them. I remember when I was a kid longing for it to get colder, living in uh, kind of south Mississippi, not south-south Mississippi, kind of central-south Mississippi. It, uh, it didn't get very cold all that often, although there was that one year in middle school when it snowed, I think, six inches, four inches in April on Friday as we're going into spring break, and I thought, what, what in the world? This is, not, this is a foreign substance down here in the south. Obviously, here in Atlanta, we get snow a little bit more often. But I remember longing for it to get cold, longing for the, the, the nights to get long, for it to get dark early. There's a season where we long. It's a season, a time that is characterized also by repentance, and humility. We're reminded by the color purple that Christ, the King, is coming. And we, as His people, ought to be ready for His coming. And so we ought to repent 
of sins that we've committed. We ought to approach this season in humility. This season is characterized by the darkness and oftentimes the cold. But in the midst of the darkness and in the midst of that cold, things that I happen to enjoy, there's also the lights that shatter the darkness, that break through, that expel the darkness. The darkness cannot comprehend, cannot extinguish the light. And so we hang lights on our houses. We put lights up on the trees. We light candles. We put perhaps candles or single lights in the windows. We go driving and looking for lights. The other night when Lindsay was in the ER, uh, I dropped her off and uh, said, are you sure you're going to be okay? She said, yeah, sure. So I went and grabbed a couple of bags of burgers from McDonald's and the kids and I went driving and looking at lights. We love the lights. The cold is warmed by fires. Perhaps we light fires in the fireplace. Perhaps we gather around a bonfire and roast marshmallows or hot dogs. The darkness, the lights, the cold, the fires. This is a season of juxtapositions, a season of, of, of conflicting things being kept in tension with one another. Hope during Advent seems awfully presumptuous. After all, biblical hope is a sure thing. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's not just guessing, and it's not just grasping for straws. Biblical hope is a sure thing. It's, it's about the past, really. Hope is, is looking toward the future, having looked at the past, knowing what God has done to be faithful, and knowing that He will be faithful on His promises in the future. Those things that He has declared to us, those, those promises that He's made, His Word can be trusted. That's biblical hope. And so biblical hope is about assurance. It's about stability. It is, a, it is about guarantees. It's not that cheap and tawdry hope that we often talk about in our culture. Biblical hope, you can consider it done. But Advent is all about what is yet to come. Uh, sure, we look to and remember the past. We read the, the, the passages of Scripture that foretold the coming of Christ. We, we remember the Christmas story. We celebrate the day of Christ's birth. On Christmas Eve as a church, we'll light the Christ candle, reminding us of that historic and factual event of the past. That Christ has come. But even more than the past, even more than the birth of Jesus, Advent as a season is about the return of Jesus, about him coming again, about him coming to establish that kingdom that he inaugurated with his birth. It's about that for which we still wait, that which is yet 
to come. This is a season in which we remind one another and declare to the world, the King is coming. The King is coming. He came once, though we almost missed it. But He's coming again in power and might. He'll put the world back together, and what is wrong, He'll make right. This is a season where we declare our coming King. Biblical hope can be taken to the bank. You can consider it done. It is finished. And yet we wait. And wait. And keep on waiting. I remember it was about, I think, uh, 15 months ago. I was hospitalized for a few days with the cellulitis in my face. And um, I remember it was, I think, the, maybe the third night that I was there. I, sat, I was lying in my bed. I, I hadn't yet even turned on the TV, I don't think. I, I think for the first few days, um, it, I just kept the TV off. I slept most of the time. But I remember it was, it was evening time. I, you know, I, I was able to get up, but I was just lying around in the bed thinking. And I suddenly heard a helicopter outside the window. And I knew, okay, there'll be a helicopter landing. It's, it's uh, someone's being transported to the hospital here. Um, and I waited, and a, a, a couple of minutes or so passed, and I thought, is that helicopter coming or not? And so I, I got up out of the bed, um, made my way over to the window, and I'm looking, looking around, and it's all, it's, it's all black. They've got the landing pad all lit up, and they've turned on some other lights. They're getting ready for the helicopter. And I'm telling you, several minutes passed while I'm hearing the sound of that helicopter, and I'm thinking, is it coming or not? Because for someone, that helicopter is rescue. The person in it, the family that's waiting. That helicopter means life. That helicopter means rescue. It means hope. But as I waited, that helicopter still wasn't coming. Eventually it did land. But I remember being surprised that I could hear it, because the room was so quiet, I could hear it apparently so far off. And I waited and waited and waited. It was not the season of Advent at that point, but I remember immediately thinking, this is kind of like Advent. It's dark. It's quiet in here. Rescue for someone is right around the corner. But I seem to just be waiting and waiting and waiting. The Apostle Peter said that when we wait, when we think this waiting is just never going to end, we ought to be mindful that it's not that God is lazy. It's not that God doesn't care. It's that God does care. It's that God does want the world to have an opportunity to lay down their arms before the king arrives. Because when the king arrives, laying down your arms means nothing. It, it, it does no good at that point to say, oh, never mind, I'm, I'm on your side. When the game is over, that's not the time to pick the team you're going to be on. I remember Dr. Flick, who will be our men's retreat uh, speaker, he used to ask me every Sunday, he was my pastor for a couple of years in high school, 
very formative time for me as I was wrestling with God's call upon my life. I remember every Sunday I would make my way down to the front of the sanctuary and I would shake his hand as I was leaving. And he would ask me, are you on the winning team, Adam? Are you on the winning team? Fortunately, I was able to tell him, I'm on the winning team, Dr. Flick. I reminded him of that at um, annual meeting in Mississippi this past uh, summer. Or Tennessee, I guess, is where we were, Pocahontas. I reminded him, because I told him, I said, just this week, I shared that story uh, or, or that memory with one of my classes as we were wrapping up uh, the last of our meetings together. The last thing I told him was was about Dr. Flick asking me, are you on the winning team? And I asked my class, are you on the winning team? There were some tears shed. And when I reminded Dr. Flick of that, I don't know. I, don't know, I might have been the only person he ever asked that. I don't think I was. But he teared up and he said, wow. When the game's over, that's not the time to pick sides. When the battle is won, when the war is over, that's not the time to say, oh no, we, we were really with you. And so, as we declare that the King is coming, it is our job and our responsibility as His people to be living as though the Kingdom is already here. And to be inviting others to, to, to be welcomed gladly into the Kingdom. It is our job to not get frustrated with the weight. Do not get frustrated with the darkness. Cursing the darkness does no good. Declaring how long, O Lord, changes nothing. In lighting the pink candle today, on this, the third day of Advent, the third Sunday of Advent, we double down on our hope, declaring that that hope gives way to joy. Much like a spark gives way to a flame, much like darkness thereby gives way to glorious light, hope gives way to joy. And we declare, not only is the King coming, in some measure, He's already here. His kingdom is already spreading across the earth. His kingdom is already living in our hearts. And living in our actions as what's in our hearts gets out into our lives. And so today we celebrate alongside Mary and Elizabeth. We celebrate the reality of those things that are still yet to come. Notice what Mary says in her great Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit also rejoices in God my Savior. Why? Because He's seen my condition and he, is, he has come to put all things back together. He has come to make all things new. He sa- she says, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their throne. He's exalted the lowly. He has come, and in His coming, His kingdom, His work, His work of restoring all things and making all things new, we can consider it done. It's as good as done.
we celebrate the reality, the fact that the world is being put back together. And we're invited to roll up our sleeves and get involved in that great work. Our joy is seen in our lights, which break the darkness of the season. And so let us celebrate the light, sharing it gladly with those who are still yet in darkness. Those, the people who walked in darkness, have seen a great light. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Our joy is seen in our lights. Our joy is felt in our levity, which soothes the heaviness of the season. For so many, this season is a, is a, a time of, that is heavy. Let us pray that God would comfort our hearts with His peace. And while we're at it, let us pray that God will make us conduits of His comfort and peace. Lord, would you help us to be people who, who share the levity of joy with the world around us, with people who are frustrated, people who are worried, people who are anxious, people who are tired, worn out. Our, our joy is expressed in our laughter which startles the gloominess of the season. You know, laughter is kind of an awkward thing, especially when you're not expecting it. If you're in a room and you're not privy of the conversation that's happening and suddenly laughter breaks out, you're, you're kind of taken aback and you're wondering, and you know, if you're in a bad mood, you're probably thinking, I've got to get out of this room. These people are nuts. But if you're, in a, if you're in a decent mood, you're probably wondering, well, I wonder what's going on over there. And you want to kind of get a little bit closer and get involved in what, what's so funny. Laughter has a way of startling. It has a, a way of, of, of breaking up gloominess. Thank God that we have the joy of laughter. We can laugh and celebrate. We can tell stories we can share memories. We can pick at one another. Those are, those are expressions of joy that are afforded to us. And we need laughter in this season. When the world's gone crazy and everybody's angry, we need to be people who laugh, who have joy. So let us laugh for joy like Ebenezer Scrooge when he awakens on Christmas morning. You remember he stumbles out of his bed. We watched the movie with the kids this week. He stumbles out of the bed and he's kind of panicked at first and he realizes it's light outside and he's just seen the, uh, been visited by that third, uh, that third spirit, the ghost of Christmas that is yet to come. He stumbles up to his feet 
and the light's coming in the window and he rushes to the window and he throws it open and there's a boy walking down the road and he cries out, what day is it? And the boy thinks, this guy's a nut job. Why, it's Christmas Day, of course. And he starts laughing. I haven't missed it. It's Christmas Day. Christmas will soon be here. And we have reason of all people to laugh for joy at how good God is and how faithful He's been to His people. And so let us laugh. Let us rejoice in the levity that is given to our hearts in this dark and cold season. Let us light lights and enjoy the beauty of flickering lights as they pierce through the darkness. It's not yet Christmas. But joy demands that we, as Ebenezer Scrooge did, honor Christmas in our hearts and try to keep it all the year. It's not yet Christmas, but we can still celebrate the day. Christ has not yet returned, but hope calls us to consider it done. His kingdom is coming. We are citizens of that kingdom as we trust in Him. And we're called to live as though that kingdom is already here, to consider it done, to rejoice, to celebrate, to live as people who have hope in Christ. And that hope is real and substantive. We can consider it done. Let's pray.